Hello everyone, welcome back to the interchange. Uh, we are so excited to share this moment again with you and for you to hear um, from our guest today. My name is Rahel Heineke and with me is Matthew Heineke, we will be the host and I'll let Matt do the introduction as usual. <laughs> yeah, so today we have Jorge Quezada. He's the VP of Inclusive Diversity for Granite Construction. He considers himself the chief inclusionist, guiding leaders from insights into action. He has many years as a leader in diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging for Fortune 100 companies. And he's a results-based coach for the Neuroleadership Institute. Welcome, Jorge. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate um, the opportunity, the platform to just share thoughts around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, and thank you for that introduction. No, you're very, very welcome. Yeah, we're, yep. we're excited to have you here and we really love your energy. And uh, so Rahel, I think she has a yes. first question. So the her. question I always ask you, anyone go. just to get started. Yeah, you, yeah. Tell me something uh, crazy that you did that you consider like, wow, like this is something totally out of my range. <laughs> wow. Um, that, is a, that is a great question to lead off. I, and I could tell you that my visceral response is um, I jumped out of a perfectly normal plane. Right? Oh, like you. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, as, and as I think about it, I don't know what, like, where that seed was planted, but I always, I always thought that, because um, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm, I can't swim, right, guys? So, so someone would have said, well, you should have learned how to swim, right? Like, take control and enjoy your life. But no, I chose to jump out of a plane because I wanted to experience um, um, what the, that feeling was of just letting go. Uh, number one, number two, I wanted to get, I, I wanted to see the perspective because someone told me that when you jump out of a plane and when you open up the chute, you really don't go up, right? Everyone thinks, some people think they've never done it before that you like catapult up, but in actuality, when the chute opens, you stay, it's the cameraman that continues going down and it gives you the perspective of going up. Oh. And, and, and then you realize another thing, it's, it's a great question because it kind of ties into um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Depending at where, where you're at in an organization, you have a different perspective of the work, right? right. Um, and as you get closer, you know, at the, high, at, the, at the height that you're at, at 15,000 feet, when you open up the chute, um, you don't really get to see the detail, right? And, and it's almost like leaders, right? Like a CEO. Yeah. We're thinking conceptually about diversity, equity, and inclusion. But as you get closer to earth, the gravitational pull, you don't experience it, but it's pulling you at 15,000 feet, but you don't feel it. But as you get closer, you really do. And, and I think from a diversity, equity, and inclusion. And that's why I love the question because now you got me all fired up, right? <laughs> At the lower levels of the organization, it's no wonder people are not only hopeful, but they have high expectations that people in our roles are going to do something with this thing called DEI, right? Um, at the highest levels, you may get into conversation, but the expectation to do something is at the lower levels, kind of like that gravitational pull that you feel, right? And you have to prepare yourself when you land, you have to prepare yourself when you go in front and talk to people. And so, so, wow, what, a, what an insightful question right off the bat. So thank you. Oh, man, that was really deep. I mean, no, that's <laughs> a great metaphor. Yes. You know, and, and you're right. I mean, 
Uh, I just remember that when I when I did it myself, yeah, it was it happened so fast, and it's kind of uh, you know the whole time I was like, should I pull this one first or this one? You know, I <laughs> yeah, kept, yeah, <laughs> I kept, yeah. And it, it also reminds me in in way of, of you know inclusion and diversity and all that. You know, when you're trying to promote that within an organization, I think you're trying to get people to get to know each other on a more kind of personal what level and ask some of those difficult questions, which are really uncomfortable. Mm. And that might be even be more scary than jumping mm. out of an airplane, you know, to, to get yeah. deep with someone that you hardly even know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, and it's, it, it's an, you know, it's, it's interesting, right? Because it is so serene up there and y- your mind is telling you, oh, this is calm, but you don't realize how fast you're, you're coming down. Like even before the shoot and you're, and you're out there, they tell you to lift your legs and your arms, right? To separate. And you're, and you're out there and you're thinking, wow, this is really cool, right? And you're looking around and then all of a sudden 15,000 comes up, you pull the, you know, the, the, the cord, you, you stay there, you float for a little bit, but then it just brings you, you know, really quickly. So yeah, no, it's interesting. Yep. Oh my goodness. You guys are about to convince me to really go jump. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Do it, do it. <laughs> so that brings me to ask the question again. You, yeah. Your title says Chief Inclusionist. What yeah. made you go with that title? You know, uh, I wish I could take credit for it, but there's a gentleman by the name of Glenn Yopis, right? He is um, a leadership development guru. And I went to one of his workshops. And what he did was he really asked me some provocative questions, right? Like, I think you're going to be asking me pretty soon here. <laughs> And he challenged me in the work and he said, you know, what, what is your enduring idea in life? And it made me think, right? And, then, and that is, you know, I think my enduring idea is I, I want to live life passionately, right? I want to love generously and I want to inspire. Um, and I want to inspire in a way that the impossible could be possible, right? So that was the first thing he told me. Um, the second thing that he said, and I think, you know, Matt, you mentioned it was, was my primary differentiator um, that I take great pride in. And that is taking insights to action. Um, I, I think my role as um, a diversity, equity, and inclusion practitioner is to create insight for people, right? Not only about themselves, about others, and what they can do beyond the work that they're doing currently. So, you know, insights to action. And then what is the primary experience? So when people meet me, um, and I was struggling with this one. And he said, you know, the way I was watching you with people here, you stretch their thinking. Like, you know, like you're giving analogies. You're making people like look at like the beach ball from a, the opposite side and see the different color. So you stretch people's, you know, uh, perspectives, right? Cool. And then, and then um, he, he said, you know, what do you solve for in the work that you do? And I thought, wow, you know what? I think I, think I do three things. Um, first of all, um, I challenge people to look, to be curious, right? To go beyond their comfort zone. I challenge people to notice um, so that they can make the shifts that are necessary. And then the one that I think that I really take great pride is, like I solve for belonging, Right. I, I, I help people create environments where people feel like they belong. So then as we were going into, he goes, oh, and, and, and you know, and, and he, he did the air quote thing. Right. He goes, 
oh, so you're like, you unleash individuality. And I thought, yes, I do. Like I unleash into, you know, people's individuality. He goes, you're the chief inclusionist. And that's where it was. Right. And so, and I, and I sat back and I go, you know what? Like, I'm not a chief diversity officer. I'm a chief inclusionist. And so I went with it and then, and then here we are, right. Uh, It caught your eyes. So yeah, that's the story. Glenn Yopis. Yeah. He's, he's done some phenomenal work. He's written a bunch of books and um, you can find him on Forbes magazine. Um, He's a, he's an audit, a contributing um, author Mm -hmm. for the magazine. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is so inspiring. As you are speaking and how you are explaining it, I think that Matt and I can definitely relate because our story is kind of similar in that we try to give this, like you say, you know, unleash individuality. That, mm. Just when you say those words, mm-hmm. they really resonate, at least for me, yeah, man. For sure. <laughs> I'm yeah, like, sure. that's definitely it. You know, what, what would it be like if more of us thought that way and aimed for that? Where would we go, you know? So, yeah. yeah. That was very and, and, I think, and I think, you know, um, the work is about unleashing the talent, right? And the, the work challenges us to, like, Take individuals and have them achieve what they never thought they could achieve. Yeah. And, 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 and you have to really, first of all, know yourself, right? Before you can go do that, right? And, and it's taken me a bit to, to get to this place. But I, I tell you, um, Glenn gave me that insight uh, into me. And yeah. so that's why when you ask the question, right, why would I even put that on there? Um, it's, it's, it was a gift that was given to me by Glenn. But at the same time, it's something that I really take great pride in. Uh, I love that. I love, especially for me, I like the, the curiosity part mm-hmm. and the insight. And I think, I think they go together. You know, being curious about yourself and, and your, your surroundings. And that's really what I believe promotes, you know, what helped us through our differences was just being curious. You know, like, hey, what's it like to be, a, you know, a black woman from Tanzania, you know, or you yeah. know, just, just being curious about each other's cultures and, and ideas. And, and also, yeah, asking those questions of myself, you know, why, why do I think that way? Why, yeah. why am I like that? Well, and, and, you know, Matt, I, I think it's, um, I, I love the way you phrased it, right. When you, when you, even when you looked at Rahel, right. Cause I think, I think, I think we could go through life just looking at things, but not really seeing them. Mm. Okay. We can go through life hearing people, but not really listening to them. And yeah. even the way you describe Rahel right now, right? A black woman from Tanzania. So what you just did was you just went one click, two click, three clicks down. You could have gone what town in Tanzania. You could have gone with what family from Tanzania, right? And all of a sudden, what you just walked through what in your curiosity was knowing her at a different level beyond the surface. Right. Black yeah. woman, right? That's, that's what we see. But when you start describing Tanzania, people are like, oh, okay, now I know where I pick up the accent, right? I heard, I, I heard it, but now that I pay more attention, right? Oh, it makes sense. I know someone. And that's, I think, what we want to teach people to do. Um, it does take work. It, it, the tux, it takes more than patience. It takes sometimes people overcoming a fear of saying, like, hey, I, I, I hear, when I, when I listen to you, um, I hear an accent. Where's the accent of origin? Yeah. And, and, then, and then in that dialogue, right? So, yeah, very insightful. 
Oh my gosh, you just nailed uh, a post I just did today. I We were looking at pictures of our vacation and uh, Matt was in a village in Africa and he was with the Maasai, dressed up like the Maasai and running around and making noise. And I was saying, you know, just looking at that picture was powerful because it showed how much openness to experience it fully. You know, it's to go deeper, like you said. It wasn't just, oh, I explained to him how a village would be like. He actually mm. felt it and was in it. And I think <laughs> going deeper gives you so much more understanding, not just of yourself, but of others and why they're different from you. And what does that mean? You know, it gets you even asking questions that maybe you didn't even ask yourself before. So it's well, yeah. And, 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 you know, and when you say that and Matt, congratulations for that. Right. Because the mental image that, that I'd love people to really think about is we and we cross them all the time is bridges. Right. Bridges take us from where we're at today to where we need to be, right? Like when we're driving, we need, we're here today. That's where we need to be. So we got to go over that bridge. What you just described, right? Is you going through a bridge, right? For you to be wearing that and being around the village, you, you, you stepped out of your comfort zone, right? Oh, you may have experienced, you may have experienced some fear, but yeah. you know what? For you to go to that learning zone, as they talk about, right? From comfort to fear to learning zone, Every time you were learning, you were crossing that bridge. So now when people talk about this being like a growth, growing, like your growth is because you went over that bridge. Mm -hmm. You went to the destination you wanted to be, you be at. And I think sometimes people hold themselves back yeah. from crossing that bridge, right? Yeah. Some people just want to go to the edge and they say like, oh, it looks cool over there. I can't do it. Yep. <laughs> I, 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 I can't I'm not wearing that right nice. there you were right but but then but then you have to find out what motivates you what incense you right? right you know your relationship with Rahel like I need to do this for yep. her right that kind of thing and those are the kinds of things that I think in business sometimes we lose sight of why why we do what we do around diversity equity and inclusion because we forget we do it because we want to create greater engagement and we want to create and unleash the innovation that exists in every one of us. Yes. But if, 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 if we're not willing to go there to cross that bridge ourselves, it's hard for the people among yourself to get them to cross those bridges. Yes. And so that's, I think, the power in the work that we do, right? Well, yeah. I, I, no, I completely agree. And, and I think another thing was that the Maasai were so welcoming. You know, they mm. really made it fun. They really made me want to join in, to, to be included in mm -hmm. that ceremony. And so that's, I think that's a, another big aspect of it. And Rahel's really passionate about that, about, you know, you're the insider versus outsider type of uh, way of looking at things, but maybe you want to. No, that, that, that's really it. I mean, it's just this, if uh, more people who, cause Matt was then an outsider coming into this village. So they're the villagers are the insiders and, Matt would have to work really hard to try and fit in there. And if the insiders work hard to let him come in instead of him having to work hard to get in, mm -hmm. it, it, it might change how you experience the whole thing. You know, like mm -hmm. how many different places or, you know, when you're new on a job and you're joining a new team and you're this outside person joining this team, you feel nervous, you feel scared, you don't want to, mm -hmm. you know. So if they worked harder to make you feel welcomed, you know, how, how much faster and can you build yourself and your team through that experience, you know? And, and that's why um, as a chief inclusionist, right, 
um, <laughs> what you do is it's 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 you have to see both sides right because even in that story right the Maasai could be people of color right let's let's bring it back to the u.s right yeah. people of color and what we have to understand is people of color is is that in order for us to be inclusive right the word us is in the middle of that word inclusion right so yeah. it's about all of us white men like matt right we need to work hard to make it inclusive so that matt could we can unleash his talents with us yes right right yeah. um because this work is also about having people who are white right like be inclusive of people of color yes so yeah. it's it, you got to have both to to really make it work Please. right and, and 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 i think what happens is i think depending on what story you listen to and i think you know and we're in an environment where it's it's very polarizing right but you don't get to what matt experienced with the messiah right is the way you're explaining it unless you go to the middle right you meet in the middle to have that conversation we're in a world right now that if in, on one camp if i take one step towards you they tell me i'm selling out mm-hmm. and then on another camp if they go meet me halfway meet someone else halfway they kick them out of that camp yeah. right because and, and that's how we speak and i think this is the work like this work is like how do we have a conversation that really focuses on this belonging, right? Focuses on what you just said, that some the energy has to be in a way positive, right? Um, and, and, and this leads me to say this, this is that I think we've always said in this, this practice, and, and I know where it comes from, right? Like always assume good intent, right? Mm-hmm. The, the way someone, and I, and I tell you that um, sometimes that's difficult because there are some people that say mean things, right? There's some people who, who judge you and we're supposed to sit here and say, Oh, I should assume good intent. Right. (laughs) And, 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 and I get it. Right. Because then you you get curious, but I would tell you that I think the practice and and Monica Diaz um, from um, I I knew her at Microsoft and at ESPN. And now she's at Carnival Cruises wrote a book on impact. And, you know, that word, you know, even Ronald Adams who works out of Northwestern mutual, had the saying that basically said, you know, we got to go from intent to impact. So yes, I'll assume you have good intent, but I'm, I'm also challenging Matt, Rahel, to also think about the impact they're going to make mm-hmm. when they're going to speak the words they're going to say, when yeah. they're going to take the actions that they're going to do. So, so we got to move it from, you know, we got to take the intent in someone's heart and in their mind and mm-hmm. challenging them to really have impact, to take action in this work, right? And yeah. be mindful of that. So, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, go ahead. No, no. I was just gonna say, yeah, that's that's a powerful way of looking at it, and I and I think you're right. We 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 talk about it, but what are the actions that you know we are taking along with it? Because, like you say, we can't just you know sit there and just think positive thoughts. <laughs> yeah. No. I think I think people, you know, sometimes they don't say things because they they're they're afraid they're going to say the wrong thing. And I, so I get the fact that they have great intent in their heart and their mind, but it doesn't take a lot to say, listen, I'm about to say something that I'm not familiar with. So I hope you give me some grace, right. To, as I say it, and hopefully you can coach me. It doesn't take that long. That, that was only 15 seconds. Right. Yeah. Um, but some people will say some things, not even like, don't, won't even pause and say something that the impact is damaging. 
Yes. And, and I think that that's also what we're trying to, to, to teach in this work. Right. No, that makes sense. And it, it's uh, kind of reminds me when I was younger, I played football and we did a, a drill that had to do with, um, you know, kind of other people calling your names, you know, getting on the football field, other teams getting you riled up. Yep. So <clears throat> we play like a game where you kind of would hit each other and just be right before we hit each other, we'd say talks cheap. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, action, your actions really speak, yeah. speak for you. The talk, you can talk all day long and say whatever, but I mean, yeah. it's important what you say and the impact that it does have, but uh, uh, just made me think of that. <laughs> yeah, no, no worries. No worries. Stretching perspectives, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So just to switch off a little bit, just a little bit. So as chief, how do you implement these ideas and thoughts with your team? Like, how do you... Hmm get them to do all this or think that way? Mm, um, you know, um, wow, you can't prepare it for your questions. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think um, I, I'm really a firm believer is that you got to meet people where they're at. Mm. And my job early on is to listen, right? And to evaluate what's the world that I'm in now and so the language that I used at Northwestern Mutual may not be the same language I'm using here at Granite. Um, it, um, it may not be the same language I use at Kraft Foods mm -hmm. or at Allstate. And it's because you have to meet people where they're at, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I think sometimes, you know, you've heard the adage, right, that we want to go from the golden rule of treating people the way we want to be treated. And we want to treat them the way they want to be treated. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you have to find the phraseology, the language, the things that connect with them to connect those dots with people. Um, because in a world of bias, you know, and um, you know, you mentioned that. So I am, I am certified uh, with the Neuroleadership Institute. I don't work for them. So I just wanted to make that clarification. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no problem. When you said that, it just, it just hit me. Oh, better tell them now. Right. Because, <laughs> David Rock over there is probably, if he hears this, he's going to be like, oh my God, I don't, do I have Jorge working for me? Um, but, 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 I, but, but I am going to, you know, go to the Neuroleadership Institute because one of the things that they teach us is around bias is the model of seeds, right? Of similarity, like the five biases, there's five buckets that, that they, they tell you to really think this world through. Um, seeds stands for similarity, experience, right? Um, um, experience, expediency, distance, and safety bias. And so in the world of similarity bias, right, one of the ways you mitigate that bias is you want to find the commonalities uh, with people, right? We may have it as DNI practitioners. We may have it with parachuting. We may have it, you know, I was born in El Salvador, right? You know, Rahel, Tanzania, right? So we can, we can relate, right? Even just the way you just smiled right now. Right. When I said that. Right. Yeah. Those are the kinds of things. And so you find those cues, right, those those signals that are sent. And then you start working the work in, um, because if you come at it from a very formulaic academic approach, it may not hit just like the word seeds. Right. So if you think about it, when you plant seeds, you got to make so make sure that the soil is fertile. If the soil is hard, you got to soften that soil. Right. Once you plant the seeds, you got to nurture those seeds. You got to water those seeds. You got to nurture that seed, you know, that plant, right? 
And that's so when you ask the question, that's the, the, the metaphor that I'll use is that you want to make sure that you're planting the right seeds with the right soil. And in the conversation, that's what you do that when you ask. That's what I would do. No, maybe, yeah, maybe I should write I'm a, I'm a sower of seeds. Maybe, maybe that's what I should do. <laughs> there you go. So you mentioned uh, meeting people where they're at. Mm-hmm. I hear a lot of people say that lately, and, and I do understand it. But maybe just to help, can you give, uh, is it possible to give a specific example where you met somebody where they were at? Sure. Um, so I, I would tell you one of the biggest, um, we talked about earlier in the parachute analogy, right? Of Sometimes it's real difficult when you come in front of a group and you have a discussion. One of the toughest conversations that some people may have is when you get into some when you, when you talk to someone who has tremendous religious conviction and they're asking you questions around why do we celebrate pride month? Mm-hmm. If, if my religion, so, so you meet them where they're at, right? You meet that you find out what part of their, 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 um, their religious background they're talking about and you start ha- engaging in conversation with them about it. So that would be like one example right? Um, Another one, not as dramatic, right? Or not as tense would be when you have someone who's constantly using sports analogies and you have to go talk to them about why it may not hit home, right? With the people in the room or Mm -hmm. someone who constantly uses the word guys in front of women. Um, Mm -hmm. And you're trying to, you know, you're trying to show them, um, okay, listen, this is, this is how I've worked through it. So you meet them where they're at, meaning like you accept what they say, right? Um, you practice good intent, right? You, you, go, you go there, but then you have to show them the impact that the words coming out of their mouth is making. You show the person with religious conviction, right? Um, is there an opportunity to see it differently? Is there an opportunity, you know, you hear someone saying, oh, I give grace. Okay, well, can you give grace, you know? You know, you, you say things on Sunday. Can you practice them on Monday through Saturday? Right. Those kinds of things. Right. Because I think any, any religion like really comes from a place of goodness. Right. So if you start from the place of goodness, let's take a look at this month and why this month is so important. Right. That would be an example, the way I would talk to someone. I hope that makes sense. No, it does. It reminds me of another metaphor where, if you want somebody to see what it's like on your side of the fence, uh, you're not just going to like pull them through the fence. You have to climb over the fence to their side, mm-hmm. see what it's like over there first. Then you can bring them over to your side of the fence. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. No, I like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so coming back to like the, your company, I, uh, Granite, you, where you work, you know, and, the, and what you teach and what you're passionate about. What mm-hmm. made you pick or go with that company? Is there a culture, uh, it, <clears throat> culture where it's conducive to what you do? And what would that be? What is the culture like there? Wow. Um, and the reason why I, I like that question is, is twofold, right? Some people ask me, why do I do the work I do? And I tell them it's a calling. Um, um, yeah, you know, Matt, you mentioned in the introduction that I've had a chance to work with uh, various Fortune 100 companies. And I've been the good fortune that people have reached out to me to say, hey, would you come, would you like to come and work or interview for these companies, right? So 
it's not something that I've gone looking for per se, right? Um, but you know, in your question, Rahel, um, when I came to Granite, one of the things that impressed me uh, about the culture um, was their values, right? Um, and and they aligned with mine, um, and and so that alignment um, even went so far that now that I'm here, so you know. We had nine values. Now we narrowed them down to five focus areas like values, um, sustainability, integrity, excellence, um, safety, and inclusion, right? So you know, even the reaction, Matt, like, yeah, you know, like, wow, you know, they're serious, right? And so I sense that the, the, in the construction industry, you know, and I tell this story in, in full transparency, right? So um, there's a weird bias. There's an inherent bias that exists anyway. So if you think about it, in, when my son was six years old, um, we were getting ready in Colorado to go to the, um, the Halloween parade at the zoo. So I dressed my son as Bob the Builder. And I dressed my daughter as Minnie Mouse. Right. And I didn't realize what I was doing. Right. I was being biased. My daughter would never wear a construction outfit. Right. She was Minnie Mouse. My son, Bob the Builder, right? He was the one. And so there's a perception, right, that only men work in construction. Mm-hmm. And, and I would tell you that that's not the case, right? We have some phenomenal women that work here at Granite and they're doing some incredible things. And in five years from now, I, I will tell you that there's going to be a case study written. I don't know who's going to write it, whether it's MIT Sloan, Harvard Business Review. I don't know, but someone, maybe the two of you will write it. <laughs> you know, and it's going to basically, the, the headline is, how did Granite attract and develop more women in the construction industry than any other, you know, construction company? And how did Granite bring in more people of color into the construction industry and develop them into leaders just like they did with women? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's going to be the thesis, right? And, 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 and I got that not because uh, I came in with that, like, phraseology or that thinking, I came at it because the people here really believe that that's possible. Oh. And, and, and so, so when, when you get that vibe of a commitment that says, whatever we set our, our values to, whatever we set our goals to, we're going to go and, and do it. Um, that's what really attracted me to the company. Um, that's what made me say yes um, that's what, um, has given me the energy, right. Um, to even be here in front of, with, with the, the, the two of you today, right. To speak on behalf of Granite, because I think, um, we're doing some really innovative things and, and, and it's going to be pretty exciting, especially wow. in the construction industry per se. Yep. No, that's right. great. That's great. I, I worked in the heavy duty vehicle or, or trucking industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Same kind of bias there. You know, everyone expects a trucker to be be a man, but there's lots of women truck drivers out there and they do a great yes. job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Because they can, right. It's not, let's, let's not be surprised. It's like, because yeah. they can. Exactly. Right. And I think that is the, the nuance to it, the real nuance to it. It's like, I think sometimes, sometimes I think, uh, I think John Maxwell said something. That's why it's coming uh, to light for me. Sometimes I think we need it. Like we feel like we have to counsel women and work on their weaknesses. Right. Mm-hmm while we equip men because we see their strengths. So mm-hmm. we see, so we see men as, oh, and then you can drive this truck and then you can go when you're done driving. This. When you drive the lawnmower, son, 
then I'll let you drive the bike. And when you drive the bike, right, with the woman, it's like, well, you know, before you go grab the lawnmower, my daughter, right, before you go grab the lawnmower, here's how you have to do it. My son, oh, just go do it, right? Like, those are the, those are the little nuanced things that I think we tend to do. And, and if we wonder why it's taken this long to have more women in leadership roles or more people of color, I think it's because we counsel people on their weaknesses to try to, like, have them do things as opposed to giving opportunity to some men who we just, just because of the similarity bias, we think because I did it, he can do it. So let's go. Right. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I think it reminds me, like you, you mentioned, it's something maybe we're doing early on. I, I think I'm guilty as a parent as well. Like, you know, I'd buy my daughter the pink stuff and my son the blue stuff. And then I'm realizing what, what am I doing? Why am I buying him cars? And, and this one dolls, you know, not only is it that I'm pushing my bias onto them, but then also as you grow up, they grow up or I grow up and I think, well, you know, I can't apply for that job because I'm a woman or, you, you know, I can't do that because I'm black, you know? So I use those as excuses. And, and I think it's not just the way I'm brought up. It's the way I see everything around me. So then I, I, I reach a place where I'm like, I just can't do that. And so yeah. it's to break that and also, yeah. Break it now and break it now, not just for the adults that we are, but for our children. Yes. You know, there was a time and I think um, I, I, I just saw this recently on a Ken Burns uh, uh, documentary on Ernest Hemingway. Um, it, just, it just came out recently. But I had heard about this a couple of years ago that little kids in the 20s like, were dressed the same. They were dressed in the same outfits and it was a company um, uh, uh, a merchandise company who introduced the concept of pink and blue ah. um, to sell more product. And, and all of a sudden, just an idea like that just takes off, ah. right? And, you know, even though men were wearing suits and women were wearing dresses, but the kids were all dressed alike, right? Yeah. They all, and, and, and it's, it's phenomenal how um, things are imposed on us, right? Not because of we create them, but because people say, Oh, we're going to label the generations. Mm-hmm. Um, these folks now are millennials. These folks are Gen Z. These folks are Xers. These folks are boomers. And then the attributes that are associated with that labeling, we start seeing it in other people. Yeah. Right. Um, even in our work, right. I, I, there's a book by Bob Johansson um, who talks about, he's a futurist out of here in California. And, um, and, and, and what he says is, is that in the future, there's not going to be any boxes, right? right? Just think about this, right? Both of you have kids, right? And so you have kids together, you know, they're going to be different. They're not going to be classified just as black and white kind of thing. And all of a sudden they're going to marry someone and all of a sudden they're going to fill out a census and they're going to be like, what are, like, what is it? Like what box are you <laughs> in, right? All, all the above. Yeah, right? yeah. But, but, but I give you that because even as we talk about race as a social construct was wrong to begin with, mm-hmm. guess what we do, right? We continue, we per- continue to perpetuate putting people into boxes so mm-hmm. that it makes it easy for us to count, to understand whether we, how we compare ourselves to other people, right? Mm-hmm. So what we, I think what we have to do as practitioners, we have to look 20 years out. And if Bob Johansson is correct, that there's not going to be a bunch of boxes, it's going to be more of high, you know, hybrid, multicultural, more than two races kind of thing, then we have to start thinking about how do we 
measure diversity, equity, and inclusion in the future. Mm-hmm. And then work backwards and go, okay, so what do we start designing now to start having different conversations about how we think about people, right? Um, because today it's very easy. It's black, it's white, Hispanic, right? I have to answer that question all the time. Am I Latino or Hispanic? And then what race am I? And there's no race really technically that I can identify with other than me having to go through some mental hurdle to say, okay, well, if 50% of my family is indigenous. I have to choose the indigenous category. Mm. Okay. Let me read, you know, Indian, right. And then all of a sudden, okay, American Indian, native American. Okay. And it's like indigenous to oh, only North America, but I'm central America. Okay. My grandmother's Afro-Caribbean. Okay. I'll say black. <laughs> wow. Right? That, that's the kind of stuff. But I think we like, that's the, that's the, like the mental gymnastics that we do, right? Like the calculus, we have to figure those things out. But right. those are the kinds of things that we have to like process and think about um, as, as we do this work. Wow. That is really profound. And, and I think, as you were saying, we, we had been to something similar because we have white children and then we have black children and then we have a mixed child. And every oh. time we have to fill forms, we have to select, is it this child or which child? Who did you write here? Is it the mixed one? Why do I have to separate my children? They're my children, you know? Yeah. And, and, and it's not like you're minimizing them, but, but, but think about the systems that are created on the back end, right? And I found this out when my kids were, were applying for colleges, right? If some of your kids, you know, a set of your kids fill out and they say they're white, certain institutions will reach out to them. Mm-hmm. If they feel you say that they're white, I mean black, you'll be like, hey, wait a minute, why didn't that school reach out to this this kid over here? And then uh-huh. the one that's mixed, right? It's like those are the kind like the systems that we create. Also, you have to think about how we build it, how we think about it, and and so it's 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 a really good time to be in this practice, right? Because it's a practice where artificial intelligence doesn't touch it, right? Because you really need a brain to do what we're talking about here. You really need to do, you know, you got to have a heart, you know, a computer may not have that emotion that, that you need, right? To think these through. So it's about the head. It's about the heart. It's about the hands, right? Like the work that you do. Um, and, and so, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great work. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's true. So did, did you, I know you've been doing this for many years, Mm-hmm. Um, through COVID up to well, the past 18 months and yep. that. Have you seen any differences or has it been better or worse now that we went through all that we went through to 2020 and where we are now? Is there more focus on this diversity, equity and inclusion and belonging uh, than it was before? Or was it there before? It's just now there's light on it. Well, you know, um, so it's interesting um, because let's just use COVID for an example, right? Because we also have to, um, during these last 18 months, I I would be remiss if we didn't think about George Floyd, right? Breonna Taylor, right? Um, And others who were impacted by, um, during this time were impacted in tragically the way they were. But COVID was interesting. Um, um, When COVID around January, February, or March, I think it was January and February, someone reached out to me to do a podcast um, and the, the, the thesis, right, of the podcast, really, what we were talking about, the theme was, why are so many people in diversity, equity, and inclusion losing their jobs, mm-hmm. right? So prior to COVID, 
this was a movement afoot when COVID hit even more, it accelerated it because companies were having to make decisions because they didn't realize the economic impact it was going to make. So they were getting ready for it. Right. And that was the only way we can justify the conversation at the time. Right. Right. Um, So, so, and I was telling people, well, you know, in my, in the circles that I like hang out with in the DNI practitioners, people are not losing their jobs. Right. It, 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 I think it all depends the value that you as a practitioner bring into your company, right? If you're providing greater benefit than the salary that they're paying for you, you inherently have more value. So um, you, you're, you're there, right? Granite hired me um, in September of 2019. So when I came in, right, COVID hit, right? And, and, but I'm still here, right? That kind of thing. Then um, George Floyd, that event took place, right? Yeah. That tragedy took place. And I think companies got caught off guard. A lot of companies who never thought about doing diversity, equity, and inclusion started hiring people, right? A lot of companies that had let go of people were bringing them back or bringing other people in and building out their teams. And then companies like Granite during this time, um, it almost accelerated things, right? From a social injustice perspective, we started having a different conversation about race. Mm-hmm. And, and I go back to some people look, but don't see some people hear, but don't listen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Race, I would tell you that the black community has lost lives in the way that George Floyd died, Brianna Taylor died, not just in 2020. Mm-hmm. It's been happening before then. But people looked at the news, but didn't see what was going on. People had been talking about inequities. People heard it, but they didn't listen or pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. So when you ask me that question, Rahel, I would tell you that it put everything in overdrive. The sensitivity of it got bigger, right? Um, COVID, same thing. There was a lot of companies um, that were saying we could never work from home. We need people belly button on the seat, butts on the seat kind of thing, right? Yeah. Some companies have had the greatest um, profit years that they've had during this time, right? People have shown that they can work from home. Now, what could you could you lose the connectivity? Like right now. Like I may say some things, you smile, right? Both of you have great smiles, right? And I feel like I'm connecting with you, but there's nothing, there's nothing like being in front of you, having this conversation that we're having and then being able to like, just engage differently, right? We may have, we may have walked in, gave a handshake and at the end we can walk away and we're hugging each other, right? We can't do this here. That's right. You just can't feel that, right? And so- so, but we created these platforms that allow us to connect in a way that's different than just a conference call, right? Um, so we could see each other. Um, and, and so to, to, to keep going on to your question, um, it has allowed the, the time that I can't fly to go see pl- people and stuff, yep. the capacity that's given me, I've been able to build out along with Abby Combs, who works with me. Um, really robust, strong infrastructure around communication on how we engage our employees. Um, It's given us the ability 
to actually have time to really think, to build on, on things, as opposed to, I would have been on the road doing training that I may not have had a chance to do what I'm doing right now, right? So these are the kinds of things that I think um, we've been, we all benefited if we allow ourselves, right, to step into it, right, to this new, um, you know, Dave, David Rock, who, again, New York Leadership Institute, said something really profound um, early on during COVID. He said, you know, people are craving um, to go back to normal. Um, he goes, what if we said, um, what, why don't we, we create a better normal? Why don't we take this opportunity, not just a new normal, but a better normal? Mm. And I think that that is what these last 18 months, at least in my head, right, um, has provided me is to think, I'm just not going to like allow people to like this, to, to think about, let's go back to normal. I can't wait to go back to the way it was. No, change doesn't work that way, right? Uh, change is, you got to got to move to a different place. Right? You got to cross that bridge. And on the other side of that bridge is a better normal. Let's, let's be the ones that create that better normal. Wow. No, that is great, great, great insight. Yeah. yeah. Now you mentioned though, that, you know, this whole event with George Floyd, it's, it's, it's kind of shined a light and made it something we're all talking about, but do you feel that some of those companies are just checking the box to say, all right, we have a diversity and inclusion person. All right, we're doing it. Or are they really being legitimate about this wanting to change this? So it's, it's, it's funny. Um, it is, let's go back to the jumping out of a perfectly, perfectly normal plane, right? It's all perspective, right? I think sometimes we don't know until we go ask, okay. until we go and find out from the people. Because what you're seeing, you're seeing actions and you're interpreting actions that you really have to practice. They're practicing good intent, yeah, right? Yeah. So if you assume good intent, then you have to assume that the reason why they have a DNI person is because they're serious about their DNI program. Okay. They're serious when they make a statement, they really believe the statement, right? Now, what's happening also is because social media is amazing, right? They can do research in seconds kind of thing. They'll find out if a company is not really serious about the work that they're doing. They'll find out if it is a check the box. They'll find out, then that's when you know the impact that they've made. Right. Because wow. it's because it's easy to drop one million dollars to an HBCU. Mm -hmm. And if you never go and recruit, if you never go talk to those students, then you'll find that out. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. but 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 that's what I'm like. It, it's you have to be real careful. Right. Because, you know, people will say. Um, you we want to do this work so they can bring their true selves to work. Right. Right. Sometimes you don't want someone bringing in their true self, right? Like, <laughs> you, you, it's almost like you want their best self, right? Yeah. Their best self to work, right? right. Um, and and so, so when you say that to me, I pause a little bit because in there lies not your cynicism, but I think this, this, like, this kernel of some companies have done it just to check the box. Mm -hmm. it, some may have. I really don't know until you start talking to them, right? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. you shouldn't assume that that's, that's what they're doing. You need to, to wait. Time will tell. Time will tell. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Time will tell. And, and people are finding out themselves, right? And, yeah. and, and so I think, I think we, just have to, we just have to have not give companies grace, but what you have to do is you just have to say, okay, they said it. 
Did they mean it? Let's go find out. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Right. But I think um, there could be some of that. I don't, I just can't tell you. I mean, yeah. I think the construction industry is an industry that some people may say that that's what they're doing. Right. Yeah. Because their, their perception is there's no way women are going to work in, in, in construction. Right. And yet here I am talking about, there's going to be a case study written, you know, it's like, really, you know, so that's the kind of stuff. Yep. That makes sense. Sure. Sure. Cool. So I guess I'll, I'll wrap it up by asking, you know, what advice do you give, you know, people, especially like us new entrepreneurs and other going through uh, like educational people who are about diversity, equity and inclusion. And, you know, what, what advice do you give us now? How do we navigate in your opinion? Yeah. So give me more in the sense of as business owners, yes. how do you navigate through DEI? Yes. Um, okay. I would tell you that I think the, the most incredible thing about entrepreneurs, business owners, um, is the fact that you have an understanding of the customer, right? And in order for you to do business with someone, you really have to think about that value proposition, right? Mm -hmm. Associated with how they're going to pay you based on the interaction you have with them, with the services that you have. And so um, when that value proposition they're paying you through their time, um, money, um, for the benefits that you're providing. I think the differentiator is, and I think that entrepreneurs have figured this out. If I exceed the expectations of the customer, um, they will keep coming back to me, right? And when I ask for referrals, right, they're going to give me people because you know that you're going to they're the people that they refer, you're going to treat them just as good, right? So, and that's the gift that keeps on giving from an entrepreneurial perspective, right? I think diversity, equity, inclusion is an enabler, right? For you even to double, triple click down and find out who the person is beyond the transaction. I think sometimes the most successful entrepreneurs that I have seen are the ones that do the transaction, right? They provide the service, they get paid, but then they have tremendous follow-up where, where they know anniversaries, birthdays, they know the kids' names, they know, you know, just the shirt that the person wore, the blouse that the, the woman wore when they walked in the, you know, in, in the interaction or when they saw. Um, and I think that that in itself is getting to know someone deeper than just the transaction, mm -hmm. right? And I think the reason why, when you ask that question, the reason why I go there is, is because we do this with people. Matt did it when he was describing you. And then we, we got into him wearing and going to, to the town, right? When he said, black woman from Tanzania. Now we had some, I, you gave me insight that you actually went and visited the town, that you actually got engaged, that you actually got in the garb, that you actually were running around, that you actually were in the festivities, right? That is the differentiator when you practice diversity, equity, and inclusion. You may not call it that, right? Your comfort level may be as, well, I'm getting to know my customer. Yeah. But we in DNI say, yeah, you're getting to know your people, right? We're getting, you're getting to know them in the diversity dimensions that mean that there's meaningful to them. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, when you connect at that level, game changer, right? Game changer, not only in business, in, you know, your employees, you get greater engagement 
and you get you get them in a place where they're coming to you with ideas because they want the business to thrive, mm-hmm. right? The same thing as a as a as a client will refer people to you because they know how they were treated, not just in a transactional perspective, but in an emotional perspective of getting to know them. I hope that helps. Yes. I took no, lots no. of notes. Thank, thank you so much. I think that that's great, great. All the advice you've given yes. today has been really wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and we, we really appreciate your time with us. Yeah. No so problem. Yeah. No, thank you for having me. Have you written a book? Because you need to write a book. You know, I may have to. I have not written a book. And, and, and maybe it's because um, when you're learning, like I, I, I consider myself someone who's continuously learning, right? A continuous learner. It's hard at like when all this wisdom is being put into you, you don't like it's hard to really think about writing a book. Uh-huh. Re- you know what I, you know, I, I think I just need to pause for a moment. And maybe, you know, thank you very much. Maybe this is the moment, right? <laughs> um, to say, yeah, you know what? I could write a book, but uh-huh. because I'm learning so much, right? Um, and I, I learned from people like yourselves um, that that hasn't crossed my mind. Okay. But, but thank you. For, thank you for planting that yeah. seed, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I, I realize I keep learning stuff. And the more I learn, the more I realize the last stuff I learned wasn't right. So you could write a book and next year you will totally. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's just the perspective changes, yeah. right? You're like, that wasn't deep enough. After this new information, you're like, oh. Well, and, and I'll tell you to build on that, um, Adam Grant, right? I don't know if, if you follow Adam Grant, but he, he just wrote a book on unlearning, right? So what he tells you basically is, is that you have to learn how to unlearn, to learn, to relearn. And oh. you have to do that uh, continuously in order for you to keep on evolving and to be a better person and to be in the work of DNI, right? And yeah. And I'll just add that this work also challenges you to have that foresight to reimagine the work, mm-hmm. right? Like, what could this look like? What, what will it look like 20 years from now? And can we give ourselves the opportunity to say, why not? Why, why not couldn't it look that way, right? So, so now you got me thinking about that book. You, now I've got to manifest it. Now <laughs> let it manifest it. <laughs> cool. This was very awesome. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Uh, so thank you very much. That was Jorge Quesada the VP of Inclusive Diversity at Granite Construction. We really enjoyed having you today. Thank you for allowing me to be here today.